traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business. Showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hi folks, Steve Moore here. It is a beautiful Saturday afternoon in August, uh, getting ready for school to start. Let's hope schools do start on time uh, and kids can get back in the classroom uh, come uh, the next uh, few weeks and certainly by Labor Day. Um, This is 77 Talk Radio WABC. I am honored to be with you during this hour to talk about money and politics and policy and uh, the finances in your wallet. And we've got a great show, by the way, today. I have two really great guests uh, that are going to be talking about what happened 40 years ago. 40 years ago yesterday was the signing of the Reagan tax cuts. And I call them the tax cuts that changed the world. Because for those of you who are old enough to remember, by the way, half of Americans were born, half half of Americans that are alive today were born before 1980, and half of Americans were born after 1980. So many of you listening to this show probably don't even remember the Reagan presidency and certainly don't remember Jimmy Carter, but Jimmy Carter was truly one of the worst presidents in American history. Uh, The American economy 40 years ago was in wreckage, wreckage. We had double-digit inflation. You're not going to believe this, folks. We had 20% mortgage interest rates back then. We had an economy that was melting down. America's power here and abroad was diminished by uh, an economy that was uh, really on crutches. And Reagan came in with a sweeping agenda that included tax cuts, included deregulation, included getting control of government and trying to shrink the government size in our economy. Uh, and most importantly, or at least as importantly as all the rest, was getting inflation under control because at that time we had inflation, that I think, topped out at around something around 10, 11%, which is incredible. Uh, and so Reagan cut those taxes and, oh my God, the, the recovery we had was incredible. America was regained its status as the world economic superpower. The last 40 years have been incredible. The Dow Jones Industrial Average 40 years ago today was at 1,000, okay? Maybe give or take 100. It was, it was around 1,000. Um, today, the Dow is not at, 3,500, it's 35,000. And we've seen this massive increase in wealth. We estimate uh, somewhere between 50 and $100 trillion of additional wealth was created, not just for the rich, but for even ordinary Americans. We made the guy next door a millionaire. If you invested in the market in 1980, even $1,000, you're practically a millionaire today. 
when you take into account the compounding effect of all of that wealth. And so the reason that I want to dwell on this and celebrate what happened is, number one, it was a great historic achievement for the country. But number two, ladies and gentlemen, what Joe Biden is doing right now is reversing all of the incredible gains we made over the last 40 years. And some of those gains were under Reagan. Some of them were under Bill Clinton. My gosh, we had the welfare reforms that happened and the balanced budgets that happened under a Democrat, Bill Clinton. Uh, that was a Republican Congress and Bill Clinton. It was bipartisan. We got people off of welfare into work. We cut the capital gains tax. We spurred the incredible revolution and technology that has made America number one in virtually every technological area uh, that you can think of. Um, and, uh, and, and we got people back into work. And we're not doing that right now. And B Joe Biden is basically reversing welfare reform. He wants to raise taxes back to 50, 60, 70 percent like we had in the 70s, the bad old days. Uh, we've got inflation back, right? Everybody knows that. I've talked about this week after week on this show. Inflation is, again, rearing its ugly, ugly head. They want to re-regulate financial markets. They want to re-regulate the airlines. They want to re-regulate the rail, uh, the airline, the, the um the energy industry, uh, all of these things are moving the clock back. And I'm very worried that if we do that, we're going to see a recurrence of what we saw in the 1970s. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking with the guys who were there, who made it happen. One of them is Tony Dolan, who was a Reagan speechwriter. He was the chief speechwriter for Reagan, has amazing stories about what Reagan was doing. He was in the White House, in the Oval Office, with Reagan when all this happened. And the other is my friend Richard Ron, one of the top economists in the country. He was at that time the chief economist for the Chamber of Commerce and played a huge role in crafting those tax cuts and helping them get passed. So we're going to have a really fun discussion about that. It's history, yes, but it's history that everybody has to know because it's so pertinent to what's happening today. Now, before we get to that, uh, by the way, I want to remind people, I will be taking your calls on the More Money Hotline. In about 25, 30 minutes, we're going to take your calls because this is Freedom of Speech Radio. I want to hear your opinions. What do you think of Reagan? Do you think that we need to get back to Reaganomics? Or do you think Bidenomics is better than Reaganomics? I want to hear what you think was good about Reagan, what you think was bad about Reagan. Did you like the tax cuts? Did you like what he did to deregulate the country? I mean, people are of mixed opinions on that. So I want to hear from both sides. Uh, you know I like to take... Uh, People who disagree with me as much as I like to take calls from people who agree with me. So that number, write this down, folks. Don't call yet. Wait about 10, 15 minutes, and we're going to take your calls. What, the More Money Hotline, 1-800-848-9222. Ready? I can say that again. 1-800-848-9222. Or an easier way to remember that is 1-800-848-9WABC. I'm sorry, 1-800-848-WABC. And, uh, and we're going to take your calls and hear what you think about what has happened in the last 40 years. Do you like what Biden is doing on the economy or do you like better what Reagan did? Because I think what Biden is doing is Reaganomics in reverse. Now, I got two or three more minutes before we get to our uh, first break. But I want to I say something I think is really important. This is a great country. I love this country. The economy is doing pretty well. So that's good. We, we're getting jobs back. We're getting businesses open. But this past week was one of the worst weeks any president has had in modern times. I have never seen such a collapse of good policy and policy decision making by any administration in a long, long, long time. 
as what has happened in this past week. So let's go over it. First, on Friday, we get a good jobs report, and Joe Biden crows about how, oh, my gosh, wages are up. We got 4% wage gains, which is nor- in normal times good. 4% wage gains is a really good number, except on Tuesday, we get the inflation numbers. Inflation was about 5.5%. So you don't have to understand math. You don't have to be a math a PhD to understand this. Okay, if if the wages are going up by four percent, that's paid a four percent increase in paychecks, but inflation is going up by five and a half percent. That means your paycheck is going down in purchasing power. The dollars are shrinking in your paycheck because prices are going up faster than your paycheck is. You see that, and so it's a bad time for workers right now because they're not. They're, they're seeing their paychecks shrink by 1.5%, not grow by 4%. So that's a problem. And then we, on Thursday, we get the producer price index numbers. They came up uh, over 7%. I don't remember the exact number. I think it was 7 or 8%. And producer prices eventually filtrate into consumer prices. So this notion that inflation is going away or that it's transitory, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about with respect to transitory. Is transitory... Six months, nine months, a year, two years, because all the signs are that inflation is going in the wrong direction right now. And um, we're going to see, in my opinion, high inflation for at least another six months. That's a big problem for Joe Biden because inflation killed uh, Jimmy Carter. It's the reason he was not reelected, among other things. Number two. So first we get the inflation numbers. Terrible for Biden. Number two. Then Biden, because of the higher energy prices, I can't believe this. I mean, I'm so embarrassed to be an American when I see Joe Biden saying that, oh, he goes hat in hand to the Saudis and the OPEC countries says, please, please, will you please increase your oil output because oils and gas are so expensive in the United States right now. What's wrong with this picture? The way to get the oil and gas prices down is to produce oil and gas here in the United States. Instead, Biden is shutting down the spigot here in Oklahoma and Texas and California and West Virginia and North Dakota, Ohio, these states that have oil, Pennsylvania being another one. And now that he's saying, gee, why are the oil prices rising? Because you're not producing oil in the United States. So now we have to go to the Arabs and ask them to increase their supply. Is this, is this embarrassing? I mean, it is so anti-American that we're not producing our our own oil. So that's the second thing that went wrong. And then third, and I got to take my break in a minute, but I want to get this out there to you guys. Then, then, my God, what's happening in Afghanistan is reminding me of like the American uh, evacuation of Vietnam that happened in what? Not back in 1973, 74. This is embarrassing. And by the way, I don't think we should have been in Afghanistan in the first place. I'm not a, I'm not a foreign policy expert, but I, but I think we wasted a lot of money and, and cost a lot of American lives in Afghanistan. And I don't think we accomplished much. But what's going on now? I mean, Joe Biden, I'm going to read this from the Wall Street Journal. He said this on, I'm going to get the exact date here because this is incredible. On, um, okay, I've got this right here. July 8th, July 8th, a little over a month ago, he, he was Joe Biden, our president, was talking about Afghanistan. Here's what he said. So the question now is, where do we go from here in Afghanistan? The jury is still out. But now pay attention to this. Now, this is a direct quote from the president. 
But the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. This is our president. Wake up, Mr. President. Look at what's happening in Kabul right now. I mean, it is so outrageous. So we're, I'm embarrassed by what's happening to this great country of ours. We do not have leadership. We need Reagan-type leadership. And Reagan said, when you're strong at home, you're strong abroad. We are not projecting American might. We're projecting American weakness. And that is dangerous. Another thing that Reagan said, he said that weakness is provocative. And that's exactly what we're seeing in Afghanistan. We've got to have produce American energy. We've got to get rid of inflation. We've got to cut taxes, not raise them. And we have to make sure that when when America has involvement in these other countries, that it ends in a positive way. What's happening in Afghanistan is is really a tragedy. So we're going to be right back. We're going to talk about a president who got things right, Ronald Reagan, 40 years ago. Uh, with uh, with my two guests coming up, you're listening to More Money on the best radio station, talk radio station in America. That's 77 Talk Radio WABC. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to More Money on the best talk radio station in America. 77 WABC in New York. And by the way, we have affiliates as well. But uh, we reach on this station, and we have callers from Maine all the way down to North Carolina. And the other day, we had one from Georgia. So what a great privilege it is to be on the air with you and to spend an hour talking about the economic and financial issues of the day and a little bit of politics. And now I'm so uh, thrilled to introduce my uh, two guests for this afternoon. Uh, First, we have Tony Dolan, who is uh, an incredible, uh, uh, he's, he's a man who really helped change history. He was the chief speechwriter in the White House, in the Oval Office for Ronald Reagan. How cool is that? And had a big hand in, uh, I, I forget what your role, Tony, was in the Trump White House. I know you were part of the speechwriting team there. I think you were kind of a consultant, but I know you worked in the White House with uh, with Trump as well. So that's pretty amazing working for Reagan and Trump. So Tony, thank you for joining us. And we also have Richard Ron, who also played a big part in making history 40 years ago, as I was explaining earlier, for those of you just tuning in. Uh, yesterday was the 40-year anniversary, August 13. 1981 was a day that changed history because that's the day that Ronald Reagan signed into law his historic tax rate reduction. And Richard Ron was the chief economist at that time for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. That's when the Chamber of Commerce actually was a uh, was a uh, pro-business, uh, pro-tax cut, pro-free enterprise uh, organization. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not right now. But Richard, you played a great role as well. So thank you, both of you. You're my hero. So I'm so um, honored to have you on the show. Tony Dolan, let's start with you. Reagan, how did it, come, how did it happen? I mean, it was an amazing miracle that we got this giant tax cut passed. And tell us about how you think it happened and the role that the Gipper played in wow, making it happen. Steve, there's a real easy answer to that. But before I get to it, uh, I, I have to tell you, back in 67, William F. Buckley Jr. asked me to do articles for the National Review that would bring them up to date on the youth revolution. 
And my first choice was WABC Radio. And there you go. The story, their story was about Big Dan Ingram and Cousin Brucey, and it led the youth revolution. And I'll, I'm certain that we're going to continue that tradition today because a lot of young people <laughs> out there are not going to know some of the facts that we're going to bring up now. But you asked, Good. how did it happen? It happened because of a remarkable person named, uh, uh, <laughs> remember his name, Ronald Reagan. He was, yeah. uh, you know, back in the... Uh, in the late 70s, he said that the fellow he worked on his radio show with, incidentally, let's do a column about Camp Roth, which was this wild tax reduction idea mm-hmm. uh, at a time when rates were up in the 70 percent. And uh, right. this this offended the Republicans, and it, 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 it also horrified the Democrats. But the point I will leave you with is this, and I can expound on this if you want me to, but Donald, D- Donald Trump did the same thing recently right. in set right. off an economic revolution. But way back when when it was real heresy, Ronald Reagan, because he was, was a real student of economics, all his CEA uh, chairman all told me individual stories about how much he knew about economics and how it astonished right. them. So uh, he was the one that got this idea. It was God love Jack Kemp and all the other heroes who, who ran with it, including Richard Ron, who did just right. human work over the day. Right. But... Uh, there's there's one answer to your question, and, and, it, and it's uh, it's got the initial so Tony, RR. Yep. So, Tony, I mean, I remember back then. I was still a snot-nosed kid back then. Uh, but I do remember what the media I, – I didn't know Ronald Reagan back then. I, I was privileged in the end of the Reagan administration to have served for about nine months in the Reagan administration. But back then, all I knew about Ronald Reagan was that he was some kind of grade B actor. He was just reading the scripts. He didn't really know what he was talking about, but he's a pretty face. He was a good actor. But you're telling us he really understood this stuff. He was an economist. Yeah, but, hey, uh, Steve, don't feel bad. When he came, made a goodwill visit just after his inauguration to Tip O'Neill, Tip O'Neill said, you're in the big leagues now. And everybody laughed at his budget plan, which was the first right. part of his economic program. The tax cuts he would refer to as the cornerstone. But the first part was getting through. We were doing 18% increases every year in federal spending. And just so people know, this is really important. There were 22% interest rates. Can you think about that for a second? Amazing. Double-digit inflation two years in a row, and we were at 8% unemployment. The Carter era had been a disaster. How are we ever going to get out of this uh, economic mess? And Reagan shocked Washington. He went on the air and spoke to the American people, treated them seriously, intellectually, and with speeches. You know, listen, I am very proud of the fact that I contributed the Walter Lippmann quote. But that's about it. He wrote those (laughs) speeches. He knew. Right. Yeah. He knew. He wrote them. Amazing. And and that's why Bill Sapphire called him the great communicator. That helped the media get over its shock. But when this bill came up, I just want to finish this by telling you. Uh, everybody was quoting O'Neill again because he was this great congressional head counter. He'd been the subject of a Jimmy Breslin book about he always knew what number of ducks he could ride up in a row. And so he was saying he had a 20-vote cushion. And once again, Ronald Reagan went on the air, did his magic, and the next morning you could see all the pictures in the papers of <laughs> congressional secretaries who could not see over the stacks of telegrams on their desk. <laughs> he, Amazing. he had done it, and no one dared vote against it. Okay, so Richard Ron, thanks, Tony. So Richard Ron, um, even some people in the business community, you were working at the Chamber of Commerce. You had a huge role, as Tony was just saying, in helping get this thing passed. Uh, but even among 
some of the big businesses, there wasn't a, a consensus that this would work. So what what is your remembrance of how this happened? Um, I'll give it to you in a second. But one thing, of course, Tony knows well, Ronald Reagan was our last president to actually have a, a degree in economics. <laughs> That's right. And, From Eureka and, College, right? Yep. And he learned classic economics, which is right. No, it became supply side. It's basically the same right. stuff. And Reagan had a great line. I'm sure Tony remembers it. With uh, some of us young economists who are around him, he said, uh, "Fellows, unlike you, I don't have to unlearn what I learned." And referring <laughs> right. to, he said, right. and he said, "I I learned my economics before Keynes wrote his book." Wow! So, wow! For yeah. all of us who had been polluted by Keynesian thinking, uh, the president didn't have that, and he he was actually very solid in his economic thinking, and he knew a great deal, and the press, of course, never gave him the credit. Uh, regarding your question about the business community, it was interesting times because uh, a lot of the big businesses, and I'll point out one company particularly, General Electric, had had lobbyists who had enabled right. them to not pay much in the way of taxes. They had all kinds right, of special right. provisions. Yeah. The small Loopholes. businesses, the entrepreneurial businesses, were right. getting shafted by the very right. high tax rates. So at the chamber, there was a great conflict between some of the big businesses who had uh, managed to skew the tax code to their benefit versus the great majority of smaller and uh, entrepreneurial businesses. And um, I, as an economist, early on, I had told the folks at the chamber when they hired me that uh, my views were well-known and I believed in limited government and free markets and free trade, and uh, I wasn't going to reverse my positions because I was now at the chamber. And they agreed, uh -huh. and to their credit, uh, they allowed me and my team, we had a very good team of economists at the chamber. Uh, a number of them actually went over to your uh, your stomping grounds, the Heritage Foundation, some to the Cato Institute. And, um, uh, but it was an, an ongoing struggle between uh, the forces of, uh, I look at darkness in the business community, who were always trying to uh, undermine, uh, well, when right. we first did Kemp Roth, the Reagan tax cuts, and, you know, carve out little things for themselves, which had been the death knell of the of the tax uh, package. Right. And the so, main reason, one of the main reasons we were able to get it through is because it was across the board, treated everyone equally, yep, yep. and greatly reduced those marginal tax rates, uh, which were killing the American economy. So, so we got a break in a minute. Uh, so you've got about a minute left before a break. And I, I, I hope I can ha I keep you guys over because this is a fascinating conversation. But very quickly before we, uh, we break, uh, Richard, there, as I recall, there were two fundamental complaints and arguments that Tip O'Neill and others made against the tax cuts. Number one, they said it would cause inflation. Remember, they said it would cause inflation. Oh, yes. And oh, number yes. two... And number two, they said, this is a tax cut that will only only benefit the rich. What do you say to that? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, the empirical evidence was within uh, two years. The tax cuts actually went into effect in the beginning of 1983. 
And by 1984, the economy was growing at record rates, you know, sort of like right. the Chinese rates, the double-digit right. rates. Right. And, um, and, of course, what had happened is inflation plummeted, Tony pointed out, um, where it was up in double digits, and it dropped down to the low single digits uh, over just the period of three years. Right. Uh, and people said that couldn't be done. It was, I remember right. I had a, I debated Paul Samuelson before the House Ways and Means right. Committee. <laughs> right. And he was arguing that this was basically impossible. And by the way, let and, me just interrupt, let me just interrupt you for one second. At that time, Paul Samuelson was probably the most, famous economist in the world. He had written the textbooks, right, about economics that, that a whole generation had read, right? Yeah, his textbook was by far and away the, the biggest seller. He was right. a very nice man, but right. he, he was a, a dyed-in-the-wool Keynesian. And, uh, in fact, at one point, he had argued the Soviet Union was likely to overtake the U.S., much to his embarrassment. Right. But in his later, right. later years, I'll give him credit, he admitted he'd been wrong, and he was actually very kind about it. And um, yeah, well, that's good. It, it, Wait, he, he actually admitted he was wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah, good. No, okay, look, we got a we got a break because we've got a hard break here. But can you? I hope you guys can stay with me. I want to finish. The, uh, you know, continue. This is a fascinating discussion about what happened forty years ago because it's so relevant to the debates we're having right now in Washington. You're listening to seventy seven Talk Radio WABC. I'm Steve Moore. This is More Money. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to 77 Talk Radio WABC. This is more money. I am your host, Steve Moore. Thank you so much for joining us for this hour. We're having a fascinating conversation that is that is very educational. I think get your kids uh, to listen in on this because this really is history about what happened 40 years ago today it is so uh, relevant to what what is happening right now in america because we're seeing the opposite of what reagan did reagan cut taxes he cut regulation he tried to reduce the size and scope of our government and let the private sector uh take uh take reign and tony dolan you know this was reagan's philosophy right that that government uh you remember he used to say government is not the solution government is the problem. And he really believed that, didn't he? He really did. And it's important to remember two concepts here. Uh, it seems logical to people that you get a bunch of experts in a room, like if you're going to build a bridge and you get some engineers and you build a bridge. But the right. funny part of it is with government and with the economy, that's exactly the wrong thing to do. If you put a panel of philosopher kings in charge of either one, you end up uh, with chaos or tyranny. And Reagan knew that. He knew the founders understood that, that government was the great threat to human freedom, while minimal government was needed to preserve it. And uh, and the great threat to uh, human prosperity, there's a famous economist named Frederick Hayek, who pointed out there were mysterious, beneficent forces at work in the world. Right. And right. one of those, he used to call it... Uh, he used to call it spontaneous order. And he also talked about the fatal conceit that putting smart people in charge makes things better in a democracy or with the economy. Mm-hmm. But he also would, would, would point out that millions and millions of people making consumer decisions who don't know each other make the economy work better than control from Washington. And that's why when Washington tries to consume uh, the people's wealth and says we're going to do this and we're going to do that, it never works. And uh, right. Steve, let me speak to your point. The Democrats, with all the success Reagan had in the booming economy, tried to rewrite history. 
And Mike Novak mm-hmm. at AEI got very upset about this. He went back and he looked who, at who the file. Mike Novak at AEI. And, right, right. Um, Michael Novak, he, he was he was a right. philosopher, but also um, he, he wrote a very good column from time to time on economics. He went back and looked at the Labor Department quintile. That's the five income yep, yep, yep. that yep. the Labor Department uses. And he found that each group, once the Reagan tax cuts uh, pitched in, as Richard uh, right. noted, in 83, that group over a 9- to 10-year period saw each, everyone saw a 10 or 11 to 12% increase. And that, had, that was totally in their income, and that was unprecedented. And what we found out later was that the people who were moving fast out of that in- economic quintile and sometimes going up two or three categories were the poorest. And it's there's 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 wow. a very there's a very powerful echo of this when Donald Trump uh, touted his own tax cuts in right. a remarkable State of the Union. Right. He said, uh, "We are now reaching record highs of Hispanic and African American employment." And yep. the chamber went crazy, but one group wouldn't stand up, and that's the Democrats who are always telling us how much they care about minorities. And those who haven't had the chance, others haven't. Like they don't. They care. Well, about you're so right about that. I mean, you know, you know this that under under Trump, uh, we had the lowest black and Hispanic poverty rate in the history of America. We had the right. biggest wage gains for blacks and Hispanics in the history of America, and yet the left continued to call him a racist president. Before I, I get to Richard, I want to ask you one more question because you have such a unique perspective. Uh, you worked for Reagan and for Trump, and. Uh, I worked very, very, very briefly for Reagan, but I did work for Trump. And I always say that one of the things that I I find really interesting about the two of them in terms, there were many differences, obviously, between Reagan and Trump. And I'm not saying Trump was a Ronald Reagan, but two things I think that, and and tell me if you agree with me or not, Tony. One is that they both were always underestimated by their political opponents. And number two, they were optimists who love America and love people. Oh, that's absolutely true. Um, Look, uh the, the dark secret about uh, um, Donald Trump is that he he was exceedingly likable. And, you know, when the job oh, yeah. work on ENF construction up in Bridgeport, when the guys in the job like the boss, it says a lot about him. Real Americans, working Americans, liked Donald Trump. It's the elite that didn't. He, and just like Reagan, they dismissed him. With, with Trump, uh, it turned to hatred. In Reagan's time, the media had uh, lots of conscience. It was a liberal culture, but they were very fine people, many of them very fine journalists, and they tried to hold the other side accountable. When Jimmy Carter accused Ronald Reagan during the campaign of being a racist, the media jumped all over them, uh, over him, and he had to go on TV and apologize and say he didn't mean it. Uh, right. That would never happen now. They call Donald Trump a racist and a traitor, and those of us who right. work with him. And yep. there's never even a hint of an apology, but that is... The people see through that and, and are yeah. continuing to do so. Okay, Richard Roth, um, one of the things that I think is you, you went through some of those statistics about how well the, you know, the, I mean, the statistics uh, speak for themselves about the after effect of those tax cuts. I mean, America went through an incredible economic renaissance that I think really continued for 40 years. And, and Trump certainly picked up that message and ran with it as well. And, and we saw great economic results. But one of the things I find interesting that I wanted to ask you about, because you are someone, after the Berlin Wall came down, you went to Eastern Europe and helped advise a lot of these governments about how to how to fix their tax systems. And so we did see, after Reagan cut taxes, and imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and all over the world, all of a sudden, countries started cutting taxes, right? 
Exactly. It was amazing that um, even the statists in Western Europe um, greatly reduced taxes. And if you look at corporate tax rates around the globe, they're a fraction of what they were um, decades ago. Individual rates went down because yeah. one thing the Reagan cuts proved, as our good buddy Art Laffer has talked about for years, yeah. Yeah. there is a maximizing rate for taxes, revenue at maximizing rate, and we're way above that. And so, Richard, so, hold on, just one second. Hold, Richard, hold on, just one second. Because this is so important, and I want to make sure people understand what you're talking about. Because, you know, people, if, if you're just, if you don't know anything about this stuff, you think, oh, you cut the tax rates, that's going to help rich people. And explain why it is that it's important to get tax rates down. Why, what is the economic effect of that? How does that help working class people? Well, the fact is, nobody ever paid the very high tax rates we had after World War II in a number of these other uh, countries, because rich people can understand uh, very well how to order their affairs so they don't pay those high rates. But when you reduce the rate, what you do is get productive investment. And rich people and middle-class people are suddenly putting their money into productive enterprises, and that hires people. Um, right. You know, stashing right. money under the mattress to avoid the tax man is not right. a productive use of capital, and it, right. doesn't make, it doesn't hire anybody. And Reagan right. and Kemp and uh, Trump, all of them, understood that perfectly well. Right. And right. there's been no better spokesman for this than our, our good friend Art Laffer over the years, who's explained right. this time and time again, and was demonstrated under the Reagan years that uh, there was a lot of people say, well, these tax cuts will, quote, never pay for themselves. Well, I did an analysis. I calculated they had paid, quote, paid for themselves within five years. I mean, the government was getting more revenue after the tax cuts than had wow. been projected with much higher rates. Now, hold and on, hold on again. Hold on, Richard, hold again. on, because this, this is so important. <laughs> so I, I want to make sure people understand what you're saying, because you're saying – at the lower tax rates, tax revenues, the amount of money that was collected by the government was higher. And, and yep. that's because, what, the economy did better? Why is that? How did that happen? Because you have a lot more people working at higher right. wages. Let's just take right. one tax, the capital gains tax rate. Now, yeah. the capital gains tax is somewhat unique because it's a little bit discretionary whether or not you sell an asset. Capital gain is when you sell an asset. And if the rate is too high, people have what they call a lock-in effect. They don't uh, sell, whether it's stocks or real estate or whatever the assets might be. And uh, the Treasury Department, uh, under our friend Steve Venton right. back in Reagan years, um, right. did a study showing that uh, capital gains tax of more than about 15% loses revenue. And there's a lot of empirical evidence of that. And here now you have Biden wanting to greatly increase the capital gains rate, some oh, cases would be 40%. Now, that's madness. You'll get a small fraction of the revenue that they project or you're getting today with that kind of rate because people won't realize capital gains and they'll find either legal or illegal ways uh -huh. of avoiding it. And we've had... So, so we may actually... So if, if Biden raises this tax rate to 40-some percent, we actually may lose revenue. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, right now, <laughs> we're already above the revenues maximizing rate for most taxes. 
the Biden tax increase in real terms, and which is you know inflation-adjusted terms, will lose the government revenue. I'll make that flat-out prediction, and I'm willing to take a bet with wow. Janet Yellen or anybody else on it. Right. Amazing. All right. Hey, I ta- I promise you guys I'd only keep you for about 25 minutes, but if if I may indulge and ask you to stay over for this last break for just five more minutes, because I want to ask you one last parting question that I think is really important. Uh, I want to ask you about what's going on with Biden right now, uh, both Tony and Richard, because I, I really want your thoughts about what I think has been one of the worst week for a president in modern times. So stay with us, by the way, folks. I am going to take some of your calls right when we get back after I'm done with uh, Richard and Tony. That's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. And I want to get your thoughts about Reagan and Biden. And we will be right back. You're listening to More Money. It's More Money with leading economist Steve Moore. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Hi, folks. You're listening to More Money on 77 Talk Radio, WABC. We're having a really fun show. We're talking about what happened 40 years ago in this country uh, because it is so relevant to what is happening today. The incredible Reagan tax cuts that rebuilt America, both at home and abroad rebuilt our economy, slayed inflation, got uh, America to be the number one economic superpower again. And uh, guys, thanks so much for holding over. We got Tony Dolan, who was the uh, chief speechwriter for Ronald Reagan and worked with Reagan in the White House, was in the Oval Office, knew Reagan so well. It's such a privilege to have you, Tony. And then my great friend, one of the best economists in the world, Richard Ron, who was at the Chamber of Commerce at the time and, and played a big role in getting those tax cuts passed. Guys, thanks for holding over. Quick question for you that I've been, when I started out the show at the, in the, uh, an hour ago, I made this point that I am, I've never seen a president in modern times, have a worse week <laughs> than Joe Biden. And, I, and, I, and I'm just shocked by the incompetent decision-making that's going on in this White House. Uh, first, you have the news of inflation that is getting worse, in my opinion, not better, Richard. And then you have the President of the United States, <laughs> this is so embarrassing, going over hat in hand to the Saudi Arabians and asking them, please, 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 will you increase your output of oil and gas when we have more oil and gas here in the United States than any other country, but thanks to Biden, we're not producing it. And then third, we have the the fiasco, the tragedy that is going on in Afghanistan that is being so mismanaged, the Taliban is taking over Afghanistan. So, Tony, you work for two presidents I mean, what advice would you give to Joe Biden? I mean, it's almost like he's doing everything wrong. Well, he certainly is. And by the way, the number you're looking for, revenue's gone up 98% under... 98%? Uh, wow! Under, From the Reagan tax Reagan cuts. Reagan wow. tax cuts, yeah. Uh, look, it's very important to understand why. And, and you've just mentioned three of them. He comes in, starts a border crisis, shuts down the oil industry, this climb in our streets um, that, that continues to grow. He seems to feed every crisis and make things worse just out of spite to do the opposite of what Trump did that was successful. And that's the point. Look, liberals are not doing public philosophy anymore. They are right. doing theology. They they care about omniscience right. and sovereignty. This The conservative movement began, by the way, pointing out that this was what was wrong with what Ronald Reagan called the cult of the state. These are people... Right. It's hard to believe, but ever since the uh, Garden of Eden, uh, as Whitaker Chambers pointed out, people are driven by a mad desire for power over others. And that's just the point. 
liberals want pe- chaos and they want everybody dependent on the government. They don't want that's people true. to be independent and get ahead. And that's what minorities and, and people who are on their way up, that's why we see so many fantastically hardworking Hispanic families right. realizing that uh, the Democratic Party holds nothing for them. And there's well, a reason for this. And that is because these are people without any real uh, compass in their life other than the thought that they're the nation's spiritual leaders. They're and Reagan, Reagan understood, right, Tony, that it's the individual, it's the spirit of the individual really makes America great, not government. Exactly. And he, he often said, we want a society where someone can rise as far and as fast as their talents will take them. And they Amazing. Okay. So, uh, Richard Ron, <laughs> we got higher inflation, We've got businesses that can't get their workers back on the job. Uh, How much trouble do you think this economy is in right now? Well, it's in a lot of trouble, and it's going to be made worse unless they reverse policy. Uh, Tony remembers this well. Um, You were probably too young, Steve. But (laughs) when when, when you have a high inflation, stagnant economy, the way we had under Carter, you don't turn that around in one quarter. It took Reagan with good policies three years to really right. make those all those changes right. that were right. necessary to get the economy really roaring again. And what I fear is if we go on much longer with this uh, Biden nonsense doing everything wrong, increasing right. spending, increasing taxes, increasing regulation, right. uh, just uh, in the monetary side, which is a right. total fiasco. Right. Uh, this can't be turned around. Even if the Republicans gain control of the House and Senate in another year and a half and get the pre- and get the presidency in two and a half years, um, it's not going to be a one or two quarter turnaround. It's going to take uh, probably a couple of years to undo the damage, even if that. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think we have to stop. The most important thing right now, uh, given where we are, is we have to stop this insane $4 trillion uh, spending bill that Biden is talking about. Don't you think, Richard, that would make inflation worse? Of course. I mean, if 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 inflation, as they say, is nothing more than uh, the money supply going faster and the supply of goods and services, the Biden administration is doing everything they can to reduce the increase in goods and services through all the regulation, paying people for not working and all the rest. At the same time, the Fed still has not throttled back on the monetary yep. growth. Yep. And, it yep. often, and, and when you have rapid monetary growth, as you and Tony know, it takes uh, a year or so for all that to show up. Sure and it's, it takes another couple of years to reverse it all. I mean, well, folks, that's too Two great, 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 great uh, American patriots, Tony Dolan, who was a major speechwriter, the chief speechwriter for both Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump, and Richard Rod, one of the best economists in the world. Guys, thanks so no, much Steve, for uh, staying with me. I write a word for Donald Trump, but uh, uh, but I know, I was, but you uh, had a big influence, I was, I was Richard. A planner. I mean, yeah, Tony. That's right. Yeah, All right. Uh, thanks, guys. I want to get to a couple quick calls before we have to sign off. Uh, we, I believe we have John in Bergen County. John, uh, thanks for calling in. What do you got for us today? Mr. Moore, honor to speak with you. I just wanted to make a quick point. Um, In today's demographics and with the political climate as is, I think you could actually compare Trump more to Nixon than to Reagan. I think in Trump's second term, which will start in 2024, I think that period 
and the preceding 12 years, I think that will be able to be compared more to the Reagan of 80 to 92. I think that's a great point. You know, John, that's a great, great, great point. You know, I believe that uh, that when I've told Donald Trump, I think he's made a lot of mistakes since the election. I, I advised him. I said, you know, Mr. President, don't contest this election. There probably was a lot of funny business. I'm not going to get into that. But I said, Joe Biden is going to fail. We know these policies fail. We know more regulation and more spending and more power in Washington collapses an economy. So I said, just let Joe Biden do his thing. We will see, uh, you know, the negative results of this and you will come back in 2024 and we will have a resumption of the great economy that we had. I hope that Trump has not alienated so many people with this behavior over the last uh, six or seven months that he has made it impossible for him to be reelected. But I do believe he is going to run for reelection because uh, he, 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 his economic record was amazing. I want to get to Eric in uh, New Jersey. Eric, what do you got for us? Doing all right. I wanted to say um, I grew up, you know, I grew up with uh, Reagan and I graduated high school in 85. I went out to the workforce. There was plenty of employment back in, that, yep. back in those days. So yep. I felt that everything was going well. And then uh, today, things are not the, not the same, because at least the ideology. When my, my parents taught me, work hard for an honest day's work yep. for an honest day's living. And, and um, I even believe Kennedy made a speech. What could you do for your country? And instead of asking your country what it could do for people. Yes. I grew up with yes. this. And I, and, I, and, I, and I want to tell the younger generation out there, work hard for what you get. And then yes. course, when you get older, there are safe there are safeguards in place like Social Security and stuff like that that I can get when I get older. I earned it. I paid taxes for that, and um, I think that we have everything that was great uh, prior to the to uh, the Biden administration. Now all of a sudden things are flipped on its head, and I just want to. Say that. Well, well put. I mean, so, I'm so glad you called in. I love that that John F. Kennedy quote. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That patriotism, I think, is missing right now. And both JFK and Reagan and Trump believed in the greatness of America. Mr. Producer, do we have time for one more call? I guess we probably are just coming. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, hi, um, Steve. Uh, my, my point I'm trying to make is uh, for every trillion being printed up at 1.01%, Yep. We automatically pay some bank $12 billion. Right. So we're at $28 billion. They want to bring up $5 trillion. So you're talking about the communists who are the Democrats, you know, they're, they're taking the policy of spending this money. We're going to pay $60 billion in interest. Yep. $60 billion in yep. interest that we can't even pay back yet. And oh, God, you're so, you're so right. Billion. I, I, I could, again, a great call. Thank you so much for calling in because I am so worried about this. I, it, what's going to happen? I just did an analysis, folks, about if we pass this insane $4 trillion spending bill. We're going to pass out all this free money, right? Everything's going to be free. Your child care is going to be free. Kindergarten's going to be free. Student loans are going to be free. Community college is going to be free. Free food, free housing, free everything. It's going to be like Cuba. It's going to be like Venezuela. Everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to be free. Here's the problem. There is no such thing as a free lunch, and we are going to have to pay these debts, and we are going to have to pay these bills. And you are so right, sir, that what happens is the interest costs keep going up and up and up. And I project that in 20 years, if we pass this Biden bill and this debt continues to accumulate, 30 cents out of every dollar 
that we pay in taxes is going to be paying the 30 cents in every dollar is going to be for the interest on the debt, not for roads, not for highways, not for hospitals, not for education and schools, and not for our national defense. That is a prescription for economic disaster. Boy, great calls today, you guys. I'm so uh, happy that you called in. And our more money economic lesson for the day is this, that when you expand the size of government, and expand the size of the debt, it crowds out private sector activity. The only way that the government can spend a dollar is to take the dollar from the productive sector of the economy, which is private workers, like most of you listening to this show, and private businesses that create the jobs in the first place. We are redistributing not money from rich to poor, but working class Americans from around the country and sending it to Washington and growing the swamp, which Donald Trump worked to try to drain. We have to take back power, folks. We have to stop the $4 trillion spending bill. I'm Steve Moore. You've been listening to More Money. I will be back this time next week. Have a great weekend. Au revoir. Your health is important. Your sexual health is very important. And like everything else, it has challenges. As many as 50% of men over 50 have sexual-related difficulties like ED, low testosterone, and low energy. That's where they come in. Elevate Wellness has real, professional, and in-person solutions. Call 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. Or visit elevatewellnessgroup.com and get back to where it started. Office visits only $99 this month.